At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hour two of the Nightcap. It's ACC Day here on the Nightcap. We will talk more about that conference and why Sean King. The Clemson Tigers to go nine and three. But Sean, I know we're in different locations here tonight, but I could see something. Is that is that sweat coming down your, your forehead there? What what happened in that Yankees break game? No, my name is not Araldus Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he tried to blow it, but uh, luckily uh, the old coach on the sideline saved the Yankees, brought another reliever in, got Freddie Freeman to fly out for the final out of the game. Yankees go into Atlanta and win the second straight. Tonight is uh, road dogs, you know, so some value there, 11 in a row. I think I saw a graphic that said this is the first time since I think it's 85 that the Yankees have won 11 games in a row. So they're hot right now. They're gaining momentum. You know, a team that we thought was out of the playoff conversation at one point, and definitely the World Series conversation, the Bronx Bombers are on the way back. So, uh friend. Yeah, friend of the program, uh, John Yastrzemski from The Ringer, he's in Vegas right now, and I can only imagine uh, he wears his heart on his sleeve with the Yankees, and and that um, that ninth inning, uh, 5-3 to load the bases, and you were mentioning during the break, every time there's a big spot, it feels like Freddie Freeman's at the plate, and right. as a Nationals fan, Freddie Freeman Think a career is hitting like 650 against the Nats, it feels like. So <laughs> I, I just expected him to hit a grand slam to walk it off. And he, he got a hold of one, but uh, only went to the warning track. Only went to the warning track. But I, I'm sure all Yankee fans, like the diehard ones, got extremely emotionally hijacked tonight. And there was no smooth sailing as they watched this ball game because you've seen this horror film before. And it looked like Chapman was presenting you with the same nightmare that he's been, you know, the majority of time this this season. You know, it's interesting for me, Tim, and I'd like to get your opinion on this. When do you cut bait? Like with a guy that you just know doesn't have it anymore as the close. Like when do you cut bait and go in a different direction? Well, the tough part is, Sean, uh, who are they going to go to? Because Somebody it's not like Zach Britton. throw the ball across the Well, plate. Zach Britton has been a disaster too. Right. And so, I'll just tell you, the, yeah. thing, the thing with Chapman is, the walks. Yeah. Like, it's one thing if, you know, guys are just, you know, hitting your ball, but when you're giving guys free passes, eh, it's tough. And I well, think and that, it's, that's their only major liability, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, their starting pitching certainly is coming on. The, their lineup is dynamite. And when you look at the back end of the rotation, I just remember one of the first shows we did, you had a bet against the Yankees. I don't think it ultimately came home because they scored – a bunch in the extra innings, but you're like, ah, they'll blow it. Yeah. This bullpen is terrible. And they did. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were spot on. So it's, it is, uh, when you have a leaky bullpen like that, especially with the realistic possibility, Sean, of them being in the one game playoff, uh, potentially against the Boston Red Sox, um, you know, having a leaky bullpen, we've seen it too many times in those wild card games. 
uh, they can really come back to bite you and, and your season's over in just one game. But they get it done tonight, and they are rolling. The Yankees are. They've won 11 in a row. The opposite of rolling, well, I guess if you're fading them, you're rolling as a as a better. They did it again. The Orioles. Unprecedented. 19 great loss, Sean. And once again, the the astonishing part of it all is if you're just blindly run-lining, super run-lining, I, I think if you have run-lined every game, you're like 18-1. and one. Uh, It is unbelievable the run that you could be on right now. Probably the most head-scratching decision that, you know, we have to look in the mirror is why didn't we jump on this after the seventh loss and at least be on know. the 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 next 11? And you could just keep compounding the money. It's almost like, you know, getting compounded interest in an investment. You could have put whatever amount you wanted, 11 games and going to Orioles and just keep pressing the ticket. Well, I got a little stat for you on that compounded interest uh, on the other side. We'll also talk to George Shahuri, our good friend for Pro Football Focus. That's Sean King there at Circa. Tim Murray with you. It is the Nightcap. two of the nightcap here on Beeson. The Yankees keep on winning. We're watching a pretty good one happening right now in Milwaukee. The uh, Brewers have cut their deficit down to one. But before we bring in our next guest, uh, something that has been discussed on this show and all over the network is fading the Orioles because they stink. They're terrible. And they lost 14 to eight tonight. Uh, They were a surprisingly kind of cheap underdog tonight. And you mentioned compounding the interest, the rollover parlay. Now, this is just theori- this is just in theory because, well, no one really knew it was going to start. But if you started this, Sean, at Caesars Sportsbook, this per ESPN stats and information, started with 100 bucks, kept rolling it over on these 19 games, every single game, you'd be sitting right now today with two, uh, $290,843. It seems so simple, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. The simplicity of it. Just just fade the Orioles. Well, I don't know if there's a team to fade because you and I are suspicious about week one with Jacksonville heading to Houston, but a lot of people think Houston is that auto fade. Let's bring in a George Shahuri, our good friend who always has great betting analysis on his PFF forecast podcast and all the info he gives for you at PFF underscore George, George, I was listening to your podcast uh, earlier this week. You seemed a little tired, a little raspy. Are you doing all right, man? You you, you get some energy back? I, you know, only the strong survive. I had just spent an entire day <laughs> traveling from like two and a half hours outside of Toronto, Canada to Dana Point, California. So there was like, you know, five hours of driving, five hours on a flight without Without Wi-Fi, can you believe the trials and trips oh. that I went through? Um, but, uh, yeah, I was also coming back from a wedding, and the sign of being a good attendee to a wedding is that you lose your voice singing, um, you know, to, to sing alongs during the, the dancing afterwards. So um, it really was a sign that I'm a good attendee, a good wedding guest. Well, I'm glad you drank enough tea during the week uh, to to be able to jump on with us at PFF 
underscore George. Uh, George, I just want to go back to last night. Um, and we talked about it to start the show a little bit. Uh, the performance we saw from Jameis Winston. And I, I have never really understood the fascination that Sean Payton, one of the greatest coaches we've seen in a long time, uh, and his fascination with Taysom Hill. And at this point, the way Jameis is playing, I mean, Sean loves the guy. Uh, I'm, in, I'm getting getting pretty hot and heavy, too, with Jameis Winston. I, this this really, to me, is a no competition uh, for who should be the starting quarterback. You know, what's your expectation for the Saints? And, and uh, you know, moving forward, I think their win total is nine. Where are you on this Saints team heading into 2021? Well, I, I definitely feel a lot better about betting over nine with Jameis. I mean, it would be a smash spot of all smash spots at Taysom Hill. Um, were to, you know, even start one game. I mean, you watch the two guys throw a football and you wonder, like, if they play the same sport. I mean, it's like, it's, <laughs> um, you know, Jameis Winston does not have a single turnover-worthy play. Uh, by the way, data you can get at pff.com. Kickoff 30 gets you 30% off right now. Act. I would act with speed right now um, and get that information because, you know, that tells me, if I'm thinking about the Saints, I'm going, okay, um, t- uh, James Winston has not put the ball in harm's way yet. Am I, it, maybe if you buy into that, and I don't know that I wouldn't, because think about what Seamus dealt with at, in Tampa Bay. He was perhaps one of the most uh, unanimously lauded number one picks that we've seen. I mean, it's probably Luck, Lawrence, and then Jameis. Um, and he came into a place that was just a disaster. And Bruce Arians, who is a great coach, it took Tom Brady coming in for a quarterback in their first couple of years with Bruce Arians to actually have a, a good season. You know, most of the time it's very hard to acclimate. So, you know, maybe it was, you know, wrong place, uh, wrong time. Sean Payton easily, easily a top three offensive, uh, top five maybe offensive coach in the NFL, but you could make a claim he's number one. Um, and so that, that would be the like pathway towards, um, you know, betting over nine. I'm not going to do it. I bet under nine a little bit uh, at the beginning uh, of the off season based on the fact that I thought Taysom could play. Um, no, Michael Thomas. I don't know that, <laughs> that our main man, Marcus Callaway is going to be a, a wide receiver one. Um, and, you know, Alvin Kamara can only do so much. So I think that's a tough spot. That being said, their their defense is strong. They have great edge rushers there. They have some good secondary players on Bell and, um, or sorry, uh, Mark Slattimore, uh, Marshawn Slattimore. Wow. I can't speak uh, names here. Um, And their (laughs) offensive line, their offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. They they might have one of the, you know, three best tackle duos. So Jameis is going to be kept upright um, and Sean Payton can scheme some guys open. Um, I might look towards, like, I might look at Jameis Winston. I think he's like 12 to one comeback player of the year right now. Dak Prescott dealing with injury, Joe Burrow dealing with a lot of stuff in Cincinnati. Um, That could be an interesting situation. The love for Jameis Winston, comeback player of the year, a little bit of a popularity contest. Look on social media. Find me a player that people love more than Jameis Winston. It's hard. Well, I know that the gentleman that sits uh, on most nights next to me, not tonight, but uh, that would be former Tampa Bay Buccaneer quarterback, Sean King. I, I think, Sean, that love, 
for from for Jameis is uh, I think is based from you. Well, I just like super talented, high energy, former Heisman winner, former national champion, former number one pick in the draft type guys. You know, the people that dislike Jameis, <laughs> I just don't get it. Not as a football player. I mean, he's outstanding. I mean, he's everything that you look for in one of these young, talented quarterbacks. He had one year, you know, where he turned the ball over at an all-time high rate, but he went to turnover therapy. And that guy's name that he was under is Drew Brees. And, you know, I believe Association Brees Assimilation. You know, and you get in that environment with Sean Payton and Drew Brees, and you start to take on the characteristics and attributes of that environment. So, you know, as George mentioned, the mistakeless Jameis that we see now is a byproduct of all that time spent under Sean and Drew last season. Uh, you know, my question for you, George, is there's an offensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs that has a remarkable COVID story who has popped up on some of the comeback player of the year lists. And because of that, I'm very hesitant that anyone's going to win it but him. They might already have his name on the trophy. Tell me about Jameis at 50-1 to 1 to be NFL MVP. Saints go over nine. Jameis duplicates that 5,000, 30-plus touchdown performance in Tampa, cuts those interceptions in half. Can he win it? Yeah, well, I mean, that's interesting uh, take on the comeback player of the year award because that would be, it would be stunning for a, a, a lineman to do it. And I think generally it's, and when you look at it in the past, it's been injury, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, something like, like this, which is obviously a different situation than we've ever seen before. So that's, Really interesting. I think that's a that's a cool point. Um, as far as MVP goes, you know, I bet like I think long shots are the way to go from an MVP standpoint. Occasionally, you'll find you know unicorn situations like Rogers last year where he was mispriced because of you know the kind of uncertainty in Green Bay. But um, like I bet Ben Roethlisberger. I think it's kind of a similar situation where if he starts to play really well and if James starts to play really well, people will get behind him. Here's the other thing. If they win that division, so who, who do they have to knock off to win the division? Well, they have to knock off one team, but it is the team, right? The Tampa Bay Bucks. But that's better than knocking off like three teams, you know? And, and that division isn't particularly strong. So could they do it? Yeah, absolutely. And if Jameis is the guy that, that does it, um, I, I like that. I mean, 50 to 1, you know, that's, those are the kinds of odds you're looking for. For, for MVP, um, I like it. I think it's similar to, you know, thinking about, you know, maybe a guy like um, uh, Baker Mayfield who you know, could come out in a situation with a great offense that can really help him put up some great numbers. Um, so, yeah, I like it. I also like Tom Brady, honestly, at, at, uh, for MVP. I think his odds have shortened a little bit. It used to be like 14 or 16 to 1. Um, but I think that's a really cool point, Sean. I think this has become the Jameis show. Uh, you know what? I'm going to bet it. Just, just, just to, to the, for Team Synergy, for Team Sean, I'm all in, Sean. Oh, is, that, is that enough? Let's do it. He always gets mad at me, George, for not being behind his bets. I, I'm all in on Jameis, man. Give me that MVP. Let's go. Hey, George, have you seen the gas prices out west? Like, I can't have any passengers that aren't fully involved emotionally and mentally with my selections. You see, Tim likes to have his bets. He likes to be right there in the middle. And I, I, I just told him I got to work on him. I haven't given up on him. I, I have to learn him, not, not teach him, not train him. I have to learn him. 
and he's a work in progress, but we're going to get it done during this football season. It takes grit, you know. No one no one gets on first try. Um, and gas prices are absurd out west. This is a statement. There is no, There are no odds associated with that. This is a statement of fact. I, I literally filled up. I have a car, and I filled it up yesterday. It costs over $100. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> I was shocked. Yeah. I, you know, I miss, I, I live in, um, you know, in Cincinnati where PFSH HQ is. And I got rid of my car uh, when I moved from Los Angeles. And it was the one good thing about moving outside of Southern California. The one, so, so every day when I hop on my bike, I, uh, I thank my lucky stars. They don't have to pay for, uh, for gas. You ride a bike in January in Cincinnati? Dude, yeah. Crazy. Absolutely. So here's a couple of things. It gets very cold. That's for certain. Yes. But it's Cincinnati, for people that didn't uh, take geography, is basically in Kentucky. It's very far right. south in Ohio. So it does not snow that frequently. And um, even if it does, it's it's a light dusting. I can handle it. Um, so, yeah, cold. Cold in the bottom. It doesn't get, doesn't get to me. Like, Football weather. Tough. It's tough. Stop George Shahuri, PFF underscore George on Twitter. All right, the team that the Falcons, or excuse me, the Saints played last night, the Jacksonville Jaguars, really just unfortunate news uh, for uh, Travis Etienne, lost for the year. Uh, they spent a first-round pick on Etienne. Uh, obviously, they have Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, last night, it, it took me a while, but I ultimately, I was just watching the game. This is before the Etienne, and under six and a half was still up there. And I fired on it twice. I, and, you know, it, the expectation for the, the Jaguars to take a six-win leap seemed a little extreme to me. And, you know, just watching that offensive line, knowing that schedule, George, we kind of looked at it earlier in the show where, um, as Sean pointed out, there's probably only three games where they have equal the talent on the field. That's two against the Texans and then one against the Jets in December. Talent, the schedule's really challenging for the Jaguars. Uh, what is the road to seven wins for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Um, well, you know, so right. So they, they didn't win um, too many games last year, but their win total was, I believe, four and a half. Um, don't quote me hardcore on that. I think it was four and a half last year. So, you know, you look at a two-win jump, and that's basically saying, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to be, you know, a two wins above replacement level player. You know, maybe you've got a little bit of, of Urban Meyer in there. Um, I, that's tricky. Um, I, I will say this. It, the division is not good, right? Um, the best teams in that division, the Titans and the Colts, have a ton of question marks, a ton of question marks. The Titans are incredibly thin, do not have a good defense. Um, the Colts are you know, praying for a quarterback resurrection. So, um, you know, and, and you mentioned the Texans. So I think that's the path, seven wins for them. That being said, and, and to be honest, like, and I like Travis Etienne, um, that was a, an egregious use of a first-round pick by them, especially with James Robinson. And you think you've learned the lesson of, like, how to, you know, get quarterbacks in this league with that, and they did not. Um, and, you know, it, it's not moving their win total at all. I mean, it, it's not. Um, and if you're betting it differently because of ETN, then, you know, that's kind of, I think, a, a 
bigger issue. I, I don't know that I would go under there. We have a wind totals tracker on PFS that you can go check out and has the results for um, all of our simulations. And um, you can see all the, the different picks that we wrote up. You know, there was a time in the year where I think the Jaguars were plus money to go over six and a half. Um, and at that, you know, at that price, I think it would make sense. Um, their defense is a huge question mark. Look, I, I think there's they're a team with a lot of volatility, but I can get on board with seeing them get to seven, eight wins, even as bad as it looks right now. I'd be interested to see what that number is closer to the season based on how bad they've looked in the preseason. I am, I am going to fade the preseason, Tim. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fade the preseason. Believing the turnaround is coming. So, uh, you know what, our, 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 our listeners down at 1010XL in Jacksonville, they like George. They may not like me very much right now. Uh, and who, we'll see who's eating their words. George, uh, glad the voice is, uh, is coming back. And uh, we always appreciate the insight, man. We'll talk soon. Hey, anytime, Tim. I, I appreciate you guys having me on here. Voice or no voice. <laughs> and remember, PFF.com, all their great uh, content is up there. They're working hard to get you uh, some money for the season, as me and Sean are. We're, we're working hard, too, and, and Sean is uh, pulling for his pockets, and the Yankees were able to, to pull it out for him. So he's happy. Phase one tonight. He's a happy camper. Uh, that's Sean King looking dapper, as always, at Circus Sportsbook. I'm Tim Murray. We'll come on back and take a look at uh, what's going on around baseball uh, as uh, it is a busy night. It's the nightcap. Nightcap here on Beeson. Sean King, Tim Murray with you at Real Sean King at One Tim Murray is where you can find us on Twitter. Make sure to download the iHeart app as well. You can stream us wherever for free. It's a beautiful price. Free. I mean, not all of us have the money like Sean because he's just winning bet after bet on baseball. What What did you have tonight? You had over on the Red Sox. That just went final, eleven to nine. Uh, so that was a winner. Had the Rays, yeah, the Rays. And That's then a winner. I had uh, the Yankees, who are dogs tonight. Woo, woo, sweat that one out, but you got it home. It's all that matters. Uh, a little plus price on the Yankees. You don't get that often, especially during a losing or winning streak. That is, and the uh, Orioles uh, as 11 we eleventh in a row, and they were plus I think one twenty five. Yeah, plus one twenty five at circa. That was the closing number. Pretty much one twenty five across the board here in Las Vegas, uh, as the Yankees do get it done. Not without a little bit of a sweat, but they get it done. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays went on the road as a short favorite over the Philadelphia Phillies. And, you know, it's a lot of fun to watch these division races, Sean, because what we're seeing right now um, in the NL East, the Rays are, are winning a ton, trying to hold off the Yankees. Uh, but the Yankees are chugging along. They've won 11 straight. The Red Sox, uh, they're starting to heat up a little bit more. Uh, they won tonight, as mentioned, 11 to nine. So they're now 72 and 55, Sean. So it's looking more and more likely, even though the A's are not that far out of it. Um, I mean, for baseball, they would absolutely want nothing more than Red Sox at Yankees, AL wildcard game, prime time on that Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever it is. That will be uh, one of the most watched baseball games in, in quite some time to get those two hated rivals in the playoffs again together. 
personally, I'm hoping for it. Um, you know, I would love to see that. And, and, you know, the good thing is one of them has to lose, too, which is also nice. Yeah, absolutely. I, the interesting team in, in that race is Seattle. You know, Seattle yeah. is actually the team that's beating Oakland now, and they're only a game back of, of Oakland. So it's going to be interesting. You know, there'll be a couple more ebbs and flows. That's just in it at its you know, natural origin, what baseball is, in my opinion, because of the amount of games was 162 games. So, I mean, every team goes through these stretches where they go seven and three for 10 games and three and seven for the next 10. So be a couple ebbs and flows. You know, I think ultimately, you know, once we get a little bit closer to October, it's going to be about pitching and, and whose staff can go in and the start to give you, you know, six quality innings and you have enough middle relievers and a closer that can come in and, 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 sustained leads so um we'll see you know I think it's gonna be exciting fans are back in the stands you know that's the thing that's kind of awesome for me is because we don't have actual real football yet when you watch the Yankees mm-hmm. play the Braves here at the Circus Sportsbook and the volume's up and they have this humongous TV that the game's on I mean that stadium is packed like people are all in on baseball you look around those Giants Dodgers games it's it's packed you know, these big series, the Phillies game was packed tonight, even though it's an interleague game against the Rays, and that's exciting. You know, as a, a former, you know, professional athlete, that's the energy that you want to see when you watch sports. And, you know, I think that's what big-time baseball on its biggest stage, that's what it offers, and I'm excited to see, you know, these playoff races as we get into September and, and ultimately determine and find out, you know, who gets in and who goes home. Yeah, and you're looking at right now San Diego um, as they're kind of, uh, as Samuel L. Jackson said in Jurassic Park, you know, holding on to their butts a little bit here because they are they're they're struggling. Downturns. Uh, yeah, they're in one of those downturns. I mean, I, you know, it's it sounds simple, but it's it's not that it's it's not that easy because just ask the Padres when they played the Diamondbacks, right? But what did the Braves just do? They went on a road trip against the Nats, the Marlins, and the Orioles. They won all nine games. That's hard to do in baseball, even against bad baseball teams. And when you're trying to win a division or make the playoffs, Sean, you got to beat the bad teams. Yeah. You got you to eat them up. And the Padres didn't do that. Now they're in, in, in a struggle spot, uh, and the Reds have overtaken them for that last wild card. And now the Mets are six and a half games back because they have had some really – uh, difficult scheduling, and the Braves have taken full advantage against bad teams. I know I said yesterday that I thought I saw a spark in the, in the Mets on Sunday. Just forget I, forget I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Just forget I said that. I watched them play the Giants tonight. There's no spark. Yeah, there was, uh, what was it, Javi Baez, that was the way out in front pitch that was going around Twitter. Yeah, oh, it, man. It, it was... If it's a spark, it's people throwing fireworks at their cars after they leave the players' parking lot. Yeah, they went eight. Oh, uh, lost eight to nothing. The Giants get it done tonight. Well, there's been a tweak at one sportsbook in town, Sean, for who is the favorite in the NFC East. We'll discuss that next in Sean's theory once again when it comes to that division. It's the Nightcap here on VC.
Now is the perfect time to start planning your football contest strategy, and the VEASAN Pro Football Betting Guide is the perfect way to start. Our VEASAN experts have won major football contests around Las Vegas. Our guide will give insight on against the spread contest as well as survivor pools to give you a winning end. Download the VEASAN NFL Guide today for only $19.99 or get VEASAN All Access and get everything we offer for the entire football season. Head over to VEASAN.com backslash subscribe. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN. Tim Murray, Sean King. Sean, there at the Circus Sportsbook. Home side for me here tonight uh, with the uh, Dodgers and Padres uh, and you mentioned games with big crowds. That is a, a lively one there at Petco Park in San Diego, Sean. I've yet to uh, venture down to uh, to Petco Park. It is is absolutely on the list here for me because uh, it looks like it's a great spot. I think it's the, was it, the, the Gaslight District or Gas whatever Lamp. it may be. I think it's Lamp Gas District. Yeah. I haven't been to San Lamp. Diego since that Super Bowl. Which would uh, have the been, one you won? Yeah, what would have been, 2002, I think that was, February of 2002. I like how you just casually drop. Yeah, that Super Bowl. Yeah, the one that you were on the winning team for. Yeah, yeah. that one. Yeah, photobombing. Oh. I invented photobombing. <laughs> White sleeves. Check out Sean That's in right. the background. Fine coach John Gruden. Fine backup Sean King. <laughs> I was um, security for so, the game. Yeah, there you go. You yeah. were, uh, yeah, you were. Uh, Gruden security. Um, well, a division that, um, you know, once upon a time was thought to be the best division in football, early 90s, they were winning uh, championship after championship, and oh, how the mighty have fallen. Uh, last year, the champ in that division was Washington at 7-9. and nine. If Washington had lost their final game of the season uh, at Philadelphia, the Giants would have gotten in at 6-10. and 10. And, you know, I found it interesting today as, as that graphic is up there. There is one book in town in Vegas that now has Washington as the favorite. And, Sean, what I found so fascinating about this is the Westgate Superbook has odds for every single game already in the season. Now, they're subject to change, obviously, with injuries and all of that. But if you look at the Washington football team's schedule right now, Sean, they are not a favorite in any game against a team outside of its division. And yet, they are the favorites for the Westgate Superbook, a bunch of smart people over there, to win this division. It is fascinating, and it almost leads more credence to your mindset, which is to fade the living daylights out of the NFC East this year. So the Cowboys have a win total of nine. Uh, Washington, a win total of eight and a half. Giants of seven. Eagles of six and a half. I'm betting the under for all four teams. Like, this division's bad. Like, just look at the quarterbacks. Dallas is the only one who has a quarterback that anyone else would probably want or be willing to give something of high value back in return for. And, and he's coming off of a broken ankle. We thought he was all the way back healthy. Now there's this mysterious MRI that was taken on the shoulder, which has kept him out of all action, and from all reports is going to continue to keep him out of action, at least full action moving forward 
for the for the next few days. So we don't even know if he's going to be available. And if he is, what percentage of Dak Prescott is going to be there in week one? Nobody thinks Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, he's a friend of mine, but just being honest, thinks he's a guy that's going to lead a team to the playoffs. I mean, Daniel Jones, young kid, can he get better? Yes. Still, when I say Daniel Jones, all anybody thinks about or sees is him falling down as he runs scot-free on national television. <laughs> the Eagles. There's no way this is going to work. The Eagles, to me, are a lot like the Jacksonville Jaguars. You have a really young quarterback. You don't have an abundance of talent. You have a really young coaching staff. There'll be growing pains there in Philly. I'm just excited that I get to talk trash all season to the most obnoxious fan bases in the entire NFL. There is nothing like Cowboy fans, Washington fans, Giants fans, and Eagle fans. Every offseason, it's the same song. It's the same story. It's the same fake, false enthusiasm. This is our year. You know, Jerry went out and Daniel Snyder went out. And, you know, the Giants, we get out of here. Four bad to really bad football teams in the NFC East. I'm taking the under on all four. Therefore, I'm not willing to bet anything that puts any team in a positive light in this division. So I will sit out the who's going to win the division, even though I know someone has to. Well, and and I want to bring up two points because someone does have to. And I think it is crazy for the Giants at the South Point, our friends over at the South Point, they have the Giants at plus 475. Now, if you stack them up, Sean, against everybody else in the division and there were no odds, you'd probably pick the Cowboys or maybe you'd pick Washington because of their defense. But when you give me almost five to one odds, in that division, with that talent, and, and like you said with Daniel Jones, he might take a step forward. Uh, if Saquon Barkley comes back healthy, if Kenny Galladay can do what he did in Detroit, um, you know, Kadarius Toney, they spent a first-round pick on a wide receiver. They've got talent defensively. They swept Washington last year, you know? I mean, that's the thing, too, about Washington, and I brought this up before, Sean, is when you look at Washington, and, and I'm a Washingtonian, you know, I, I love – Grew up in that area, but when you look at their schedule and you look at who they beat last year, quarterback-wise, they beat your boy, the Nooch, Danucci. Uh, <laughs> they beat Andy Dalton. Uh, they beat Ben Roethlisberger late in the season. Uh, they beat a combination of of Jalen Hurts and Nate Sudfeld. I mean, the leap from five and a half win total to eight and a half is a pretty big stretch. And then let's go through the quarterbacks that they have to face. They have to face. Justin Herbert, Daniel Jones, who beat them twice last year, Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, who could put up some numbers, Dak Prescott twice, assuming health in December. Good luck. Yeah. I, I just the whole division you mentioned stinks, with Ryan Tom. Fitzpatrick. The whole division you stinks. can get plus money. On I, under eight and a half wins for Washington. Plus I, money. I do have to make an announcement before we go to break. I've officially resigned from the Nooch uh, President Fan Club. Uh, I've been on here promoting Nooch, you know, trying to support the underdog, and he goes out and throws, I think, three interceptions. So I, I resigned from that post and back to uh, previous good programming. <laughs> it was a good. It was a good run. It was a good run. All right. Well, with that being said, enough of uh, us 
talking smack about the NFC East. Let's let Sean talk smack about the Clemson Tigers. We'll do some ACC preview next. It is the Nightcap here on V. Instant match searches through millions of resumes and indeed database deliver candidates who fit your job description instantly. Find out more, head over to indeed.com slash credit. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN, Tim Murray, Sean King, former Tulane Green Wave great, noon Eastern, nine Pacific, Tulane, Oklahoma, down at Yuleman Stadium. All I'm saying your, your is, number is, is, is Boomer Sooner. Your, your number. Boom, Boomer Sooner. That wagon better be ready to handle some mud because Tulane's going to make it ugly. going to make it get down and dirty. You know, try and get the game to the fourth quarter and see if we can make some magic happen. You need it. I, I'm all for repping uh, your alma mater there. So if you want to get me some, you know, you can call down your, your, you know, your people, get me some Tulane gear. I'll rock that. I mean, I might, I might hook you up, man. I might, because I think you'd actually right. wear it. And I haven't seen a I lot would. of Tulane gear around Vegas. I've been here about a month now. So I, I've got to go about rectifying that. Sean, I will promise you, I will wear that with pride. I rock any college gear. Okay. That, I mean, the gear that I wear the most is the the college that my brother played baseball at in you know a small town of Virginia. So you give me some Tulane gear from the legend himself, and it's on and pop. I'm all in. All right, we're gonna make it happen. Let's get. I don't know what color it'll be with that light blue, the green. I'll wear it all. Just the yeah. uh, the angry, the angry guy, the happy guy, the the Tulane Green Wave guy, I, whatever it is. I, I'll, I'll wear it all. All right, say less. It's so done. Me... Say less. It's right. done. We're in. All right. I'll even I'll well, even I'll even call the bookstore and see if in the kids department they have some stuff that could fit Aaron, our producer. So you know, while I'm handing out uh, gifts, you know, get something uh, for everybody. Man, I thought you were gonna say something for myself. <laughs> you dropped that on Aaron. That's speedy, man. Uh, that is just And for those of you that that, that can't see or hear Aaron, he he's dying laughing. I, I love the fact that I can take shots at him and you he can't say anything back. Like it's an awesome setup. Sure. <laughs> Set up. Yeah, I can talk smack about our producer, and he just can't talk back. He's got to take oh, it. Oh man. Oh. Oh boy. All right. Well. Uh, ACC. Speaking of college football, we will uh, we will get to uh, just bigger picture week zero stuff too. Top of the hour. Brad Powers is going to join us. But you know, let's keep the conversation going. In the ACC. We talked to Mike Barber earlier in the show. It's been times dispatch. Uh, you gave your thoughts. Uh, of Clemson, I, you know, we can get back to Clemson, but there were a couple teams that we haven't hit on yet. Um, and I, I want to talk UNC, Miami, and Clemson. Those are the three big boys, mm-hmm. so to speak, this year heading into the season. Um, but there's been a team uh, down in that triangle in North Carolina that is getting some love, and they might be the second best team in the Atlantic Division behind Clemson. And that's NC State. And I know Kenny White, who we love on this show and on our network, uh, he's big on over six and a half wins for NC State this year. Sean, NC State has a really challenging schedule. Uh, not only do they have to play 
the team you used to coach and guaranteed over three and a half wins, USF, to open the season. You're at Starkville, week two against Mississippi State. Uh, you've got Clemson at home, Louisiana Tech the week after Clemson, which is not going to be a picnic, at Boston College, at Miami, at Florida State, and UNC. So you grabbed in the crossover with the Coastal, both Miami and UNC. But this is an eight-win football team for a year ago. Bring back 19 starters. Their quarterback, Leary, is is pretty good. I, I've been impressed by him. Uh, what do you like about the Wolfpack? I like the fact that they're a known commodity. I think here's the differentiation between college basketball and college football. College basketball is all about the incoming freshmen a lot of the times. You'll have your Gonzagas and, you know, your Baylors that had a bunch of transfers that kind of pop up. That That's a junior, senior, latent team, but everyone's looking for the new, the brightest, the next LeBron, the next D-Wade type players in college basketball. When's the last time a freshman-centric college football team won the championship? And we're not talking Clemson, but this is why I'm going to get to Clemson because I think a lot of people are taking for granted the lack of inexperience they have in a lot of places. NC State's the complete opposite. I love Devin Leary. He had thrown eight touchdowns or two interceptions last year in the first four games before he broke his leg. He's back. uh, NC State's top three receivers and running backs from a production standpoint last year are back. They have a bunch of people returning on defense. They add Cyrus Fagan and Durden from Florida State who transferred in, two real highly rated kids coming out of high school that have played a lot of football for Florida State. They have a team full of guys that I've seen play really good college football. That's why I like NC State, because to me, those are the teams that pop up and unexpectedly win championships. So I I understand the enthusiasm. I agree with the expectations that exist in Raleigh, and I think they're going to have a shot. I think those early season games, even though they seem tough, are just going to strengthen them for their conference schedule. And, And if they can pull it off, they can pull it off. Now, it's not easy. It's not easy to win every game in college football. It's not. But they're trying to do it with a group of experienced guys that I've seen play really good college football. Yeah, and I think, you know, at six and a half wins, you you do the schedule game because for NC State, it's challenging, right? A Louisiana Tech non-conference game after they play Clemson could be a, a letdown opportunity. Um, you play Mississippi State, who I think might be one of the worst teams in the SEC, but you're still going to Stark Vegas with those cowbells. You have to win, in my opinion, two out of these seven games, and you get to your your win total, or two out of these six games, Mississippi State, Clemson, Louisiana Tech, BC, Miami, Florida State, and UNC. And I think they can do it. I think this is a team that uh, I'm with you. Uh, I think seven, eight wins is is where they likely are. Maybe a a challenge against Clemson at home, which once again scares me for that week after against Louisiana Tech. Uh, so that could be a betting opportunity for you guys listening out there. October 2nd, look for those letdown spots after big-time games. So NC State, I can't imagine they'll be all fired up to play a team like Louisiana Tech after they play Clemson. So I would keep that one in the back of your mind. But let's get to a team that NC State plays on the road October 16th. Another team in the Atlantic Division, not on the level of Clemson yet, but had some strides 
you know, Jeff Halfley in his first year coming over from Ohio State, I was really impressed. Six and five record, uh, Sean. Four mm-hmm. of those losses were to ranked teams, including a really close game against Boston, or excuse me, against Clemson. You bring Phil Jerkovic back. Uh, you do lose Hunter Long. He goes to the NFL, third round pick, their tight end. You lose David Bailey. But, you know, a name that you mentioned uh, before the show was Zay Flowers. This dude, as you would say, is a baller. Absolutely. 58, 56, I think, receptions, 892 yards, nine touchdowns, explosive, dynamic. I want to give you the halftime score of Boston College, and this was at Clemson, 28 to 13. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to build off of that success. Even though it was first half success, Clemson shut them out in the second half, ultimately, you know, went on to win 34-28. But a game like that for a first-year head coach, and you mentioned Jeff Halfley and the job that he did for a quarterback that transferred to them from Notre Dame that you mentioned in Phil Jerkovic. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Those are the kind of pieces that they take in the offseason and really commit and motivate themselves to coming out and getting over that hump this following, this following season. It's another reason why I think Clemson is going 9-3, and three. not because I'm down – on the program, I just think they're going to regress this year because the ACC has quietly gotten better overall without anyone noticing and because Clemson has a lot of unproven talent that's going to be expected to execute and produce at the level that they've played at the last five, six, seven years. Boston College is a team that's still transitioning, Tim, in a lot of ways from the Adazio system you know, to what Halfley wants to do, which is be explosive, throw the ball around, be dynamic. So they still have some deficiencies, but confidence isn't one of them. Now, they've got some some issues in their front seven on defense, but I'm telling you, that secondary at Boston College is pretty salty. So their team is going to surprise a lot of people. Are they good enough to come out of the Atlantic this year? I don't know if that's necessarily what I'm saying, but they're better than they're being given credit for. And it's a program that's on the uptick and on the rise. Well, and I think when you look at their win total, uh, sitting at seven, um, if you play the over and they beat Missouri at home in week four, you're golden. Uh, Because there's just a lot of opportunities there for Boston College to build off of last year. Uh, They open against Colgate. Then they play UMass and Temple on the road. Both those teams are bad. They're going to be 3-0. Uh, heading in that Missouri game, and then assume a loss to Clemson, which you aren't doing, um, a toss-up against NC State. They get NC State at home. I think Louisville is actually taking a step back this year, Sean. I don't know what's going on with Scott Satterfield. I think there's some unrest there. He went after the Tennessee job. It's getting a little weird. Uh, I thought he would be a home run at Louisville. You're at Syracuse. Things are down uh, there for the Cuse. Home to Virginia Tech, at Georgia Tech, Florida State, and Wake. I think this is an eight-win football team, maybe even nine, if they can win that game against Missouri. Missouri's got a win total of seven, so they're a quality SEC program. Uh, But I think Boston College, an overplay is absolutely worth it. I think BC over, NC State over. And, uh, yeah, to your point, I'm not going to say that Clemson will lose those games, but I think those two games against NC State and Boston College are going to be tricky for for Clemson. They're going to be tricky. Nine and three. Remember I said it. I got it. Don't I got be you. surprised. I got Don't be caught off guard. I could see them losing the ACC championship game to UNC, but going nine and three in the regular season would be something. But hey, you're sticking to your guns. 
I appreciate that. That's why I love you. That's Sean King. I'm Tim Murray. Top of the hour, we'll talk to Brad Powers, football handicapper. Get his thoughts on week zero and maybe a couple ACC thoughts as well. Stick around. It's the nightcap here on VC.